1: Hey friends and welcome to the happy hour. I'm your host Jamie and I'm so glad that you're here with me today because I have a phenomenal show for you. It was really great to talk to my friend after she had not been on the show for seven years. In fact, while I was prepping for the show, I went back and listened to it and I just cringed at the audio at so many things about it. But I also cringed at a question that I asked her and I started the show by kind of apologizing about that question. So my guest today is Trillia Newbell, who is an author and an acquisition editor at Moody and she's on the show today and we're talking A lot about how lack of discipleship and apathy Had led us to the problem of not acknowledging racism in the church We try in these 40 minutes to solve all the problems We don't, but anyhow, we have a great conversation about Really putting our faith into action and asking God to transform our hearts So you're gonna love this conversation that I have today with my friend Trillia Newbell. I wanna tell you this though, we have had so many great podcasts this year. I mean, 2022 has started out with a really great year for us on the happy hour. Great content, incredible shows, incredible conversations and we have so many more planned and if you don't want to miss these conversations, here's how you don't miss that. Subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you listen, just hit that subscribe button. That means every time we release a new show, you're not going to miss it. Like for example, on Friday, my friend Ginny Allen's on. You are not going to want to miss the conversation that Ginny and I have. And so in order to make sure that you don't, subscribe to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll get notified every time we have a new show. All right, friends, here is my conversation with Trillia. Trillia, welcome back to The Happy Hour. Thank you for having me. I was doing a little checking in this morning when I was getting ready to chat with you and I'm like, when was the last time you were on the happy hour. And it took me back to episode number 34. Okay. Now today is episode number 471. So episode 34 in April of 2015, seven years ago, you were on the show. So welcome back.
0: Thank you. And kind of, it's an honor because I was one of your first then.
1: You were one of the first. In fact, I would highly suggest the content that we had was beautiful the sound, my voice. I listened to it this morning. I was like, this is the worst thing. I sound like I'm in an elevator. Like there's not any editing. It it was so bad. You guys. Well, you
0: started doing podcasts before podcasts were cool.
1: Like before anyone knew what they were doing. yeah, yeah. And so it's awesome. It's all awesome. well, it's fun. It was great content. I listened to it and it was funny because seven years ago, I mean, it does feel all joking aside like a lifetime ago, but I even think as a parent, I mean, my oldest is 18. That means my oldest would have been 11. And that is just a different stage of parenting.
0: Yeah, my oldest is 15. So what is that? Eight, yeah. seven, something <laughs> I mean,
1: young kids. Young. Yes, yes. yes. Wow. And so that was a really great conversation that we had. And it's funny as I was listening to it, I asked you a question that I actually feel embarrassed that I asked you. Do you mean to say it? Yes. (laughs) So in the, in the conversation, I'm talking to you about how I am in, which I'm at race relations and this is seven years ago. I just started my podcast and we're talking about that. And I tell you a story, which I've said many times before in my journey towards parenting children who are black. I've told this story many times where we're marching at an MLK rally and they're saying names of who this is for. And my son who's black looks at me and says, who are they talking about? And I had this moment of, I haven't told them, you know, so I had this moment. Then here comes the most stupid question I've ever asked a black person in my entire life, because I said, Trillia, is it hard for you to tell your kids about these things? And I heard myself say that today, and I just want to publicly apologize because you have endured so much in your lifetime from being a black woman. And I was like, is it hard for you? I mean, I just, I need to publicly apologize. And I just would never, ever, ever, ever ask that question to a friend who's black ever. And so there you go.
0: Well, I, first of all, forgiven and clearly forgotten. So. <laughs> I have no idea. But yeah, you know, I so welcome questions. Even we've all made mistakes, right? So when we can all reflect on our words and come back and apologize and mm. but we we all have to start somewhere. So I clearly wasn't offended. But also I think, yeah, it's, it's amazing what we learn and how we grow all of us. And you're talking seven years. What has happened Mm. in these last seven years? I think we all come at a different place than we were. I was telling
1: someone just the other day that I'm really grateful for my job for a lot of reasons. I love what I get to do. I love that I get to have amazing conversations with people. I'm, I'm reading so many books and I'm meeting interesting people. But I said, the real thing I'm really grateful for is it has pushed me into growth that I might not have been pushed into in so many different areas. I mean, you know, just a week ago, we aired an episode about anxiety and suicidal thoughts. And I just don't struggle with that. So it would have been easy for me to go throughout my whole life and not understand that. And by no means do I understand it the way that Sean does, but even the conversation helps me. And so I even was thinking back to our conversation where I felt like, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I can say like, man, I've been pushed to grow in so many ways because of beautiful conversations on the show. So we're exhibiting growth here, people. That's what we're here for. Amen. 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 Good for well, your humility. I need you to reintroduce yourself because since we you were on last time, you have a new job. So tell me what you're doing these days. Yeah, I do have a new job.
0: I'm an acquisitions. I'm actually just recently the acquisitions director at Moody Publishers. And so I get to acquire books and I help lead our team of acquirers who acquire books and I still write and speak. So I have about, my husband
1: laughs, three full-time jobs. <laughs> And you're handling all that just well, right? Three full-time jobs. (laughs) Well,
0: yeah. As also like just sit around so much. So I'm handling all of that. I need to work on the health thing a little better. (laughs) Mm, mm.
1: Uh, Well, last time we talked you, we talked about being a triathlon. Are you still running and biking and swimming? (laughs) speaking of yeah. uh, no, I love
0: fitness and working out And but what got squeezed out is cycling. It's yeah. so long. It just takes a lot of time. So I walk and I'm, I am training, but it's not for multi sports. It's just too much, but yeah. So I do a lot more sitting than I would normally liked.
1: Well, I think that you are fit perfectly for your new role and what a fun job to acquire authors. I mean, I'm just like, you have a really fun job. I love that no joke. It is an absolute, not just a a joy, but it
0: to get to encourage other people in their ministry dream or their, Mm. their calling or their voice. It's been such a joy. I love it. I love it so much. love that. Yeah. It's so much fun. I I don't think I realized, but what I realized is before I got the job officially, I was already doing it. Mm -hmm. I would connect friends with, Either agents or editors or people that I had been involved with or Mm -hmm. talked with. And so I was already doing it for free. Now
1: I get to get paid. So I love that. I love that. Now is it true that you were behind Brittany Salmons, like you were encouraging her? Yes, it's true. I actually reached out to her because
0: I saw a need for us to talk about transracial adoption. And there are so many parents who are adopting transracially. So I read some of her work before and I thought she would be an excellent person to address this. It is a tough topic. I've learned so much more talking about learning from talking to people. I've learned so much more about the adoption community than ever before. I had no idea some of the complexities of that. But I knew that a family that would be diverse was complex in its own. So I'm glad to have gotten to acquire that book. And Brittany, she's taken the challenge and plunge, and she's done a really great job.
1: Well, Brittany's coming on the podcast in April, and so I'm excited to talk with her about the book. I read it over the weekend and texted her and just told her she did a phenomenal job with a very hard, tender subject. And as an adoptive mm. mom, I appreciate that so much. I told Aaron after I read it, I said it had risen to the top of the books that I will recommend for mm. anyone thinking about adopting at all. So great job to both of you guys. Congratulations on oh, such a great book. Hard.
0: Yes. I'm so glad to hear that. I'm so glad to hear that. I learned terms and thoughts and uh, mistakes that I was making as someone who has been, I would say pretty aware mm-hmm. of all various things, but I realized how much I needed to grow in my communication with my own kids Mm. that the way some of the things I would say to them, it was just good. It it was really good and revealing and humbling. And so I'm excited for others to read it.
1: You know, well, I've heard this quoted before and Brittany actually quotes Maya Angelo in her book. And she says, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Yes. And I've thought about that often as a parent and it even ties into the beginning of this conversation when I was like, hey, I know better now. That was not like the best question in the world. And so I think that we all can appreciate people's growth and show grace to people. And I've seen that in the adoption community as well. Okay. I want to talk about something real quick. You had a book that came out at the end of this year called The Big Wide Welcome, a true story about Jesus, James, and a church that learned to love all sorts of people. And it's beautiful. People cannot see it, but I'm holding it up. It is <laughs> so beautiful. And it is put out by the Good Book Company and they do incredible children's books. So Congratulations on this. I loved it when I read it. i loved I read it again this morning, actually, in the big wide welcome, and it got me thinking that in the story that you're talking about, you're really encouraging children, hey, Jesus does not discriminate like Jesus yes. is welcoming everybody, no matter what talent you have, no matter what you look like, anything. and I was thinking about talking with you about this today, and I know in twenty twenty there was an article put out by c n n and they quoted you in here a little bit, but I do want to say this, they talk in here and they say, and again, These stats may have changed just a tad bit, but I would guess not. It says more than six in 10 black Christians say it's important for sermons to address topics like racial relations and immigration. This is according to a Pew Research study. Again, this was from an article in 2020. And it also says that white Americans did not agree. More than six in 10 said those topics are not essential for pastors to examine, with 40% insisting that race and immigration should not be mentioned at church at all. So (laughs) no one can see my face. (laughs) we both want to pull our hair out when we hear that. But the reality, I mean, this ties into your book. This is what I'm saying is you are setting the stage for young children to really believe that Jesus is welcoming to all. And the statistic that we're reading is saying that a lot of pastors and churchgoers don't think these conversations matter. Why do you think they matter?
0: I'll tell you why I think it matters and why I think everyone should think it matters, because it matters to God. And so it's in his word, which That when I hear a statistic like that, all I can think is, oh, we have a lack of discipleship. Mm. People aren't being taught. So good. Yeah. It's just a revelation and all that God says about the nations. There's a lot in there. And of course I couldn't unpack it all, but that lack of teaching. And I think, frankly, the politicizing of everything keeps us from actually learning what God has to say about each other Mm. and about the nations. And it's really good news. Mm. When we look at the scriptures and what God has accomplished for us, it's good news. He's bought our unity and he doesn't discriminate based on our culture and ethnicity and ability. So it's important to me ultimately because it's important to the Lord. Now, let me say That wasn't the case before I became a Christian at the age of 22. I would have said it's important to me because of what society says and because of my upbringing. I would march and parade. And I think that I'm so grateful for that common grace that I kind of got a taste of, okay, I need to love people. Mm -hmm. But then I saw, wait, there's a command by God to love my neighbor as myself. There's a command not to be partial. So that book is about the sin of partiality in James 2. James is rebuking the church for this. And Mm so I'm grateful for that, for both, but it's ultimately important because it's important to the Lord.
1: You know, you even, I found an article that you had written in 2020 as well, and you talked about what you just said. You said, my pursuit of and desire for reconciliation didn't become easier when I became a Christian. In fact, in many ways, it became harder you said, although I knew our churches are mostly segregated, I didn't believe that divide was driven by racism. And the next few years opened my eyes to that. Many Christians I met were con- content with the status quo. You said the years following are, were painful and you saw the suffering in the church. And I think that even hearing you say that, it kind of takes away this idea of where a lot of Christians, and I'm going to say white Christians, have this like Pollyanna type view, like everything's fine. Like, what do you mean? We're not racist. Everything's fine. And then we hear someone who's like, man, I became a Christian at 22 and I thought all of a sudden it was going to be easier and it became harder. How do we as unified followers of Jesus, like, what does that look like for us to walk forward saying that we've got to have these conversations? We have to do this because it is harder for people in our churches who are black and brown and that's not okay. Why do you think some people kind of are not seeing that? Like, it's almost like they have blinders on a little bit. And we're not, again, we're not talking about Ku Klux Klan coming into your right. churches. And so why do you think it's hard for some people to kind of maybe even acknowledge that racism exists? That feels scary to even say, yes, this is true. Yeah. So it's interesting because you just
0: the word that you used is the word that I think is what people hinders them from saying. It feels scary. Mm, so uh-huh. when people acknowledge, oh wait, racism racism exists, what they have to ask themselves is does it exist in me? No one wants to be. Right. A racist. Mm-hmm. And so, but uh, we are all biased in some way. We all carry some sort of either unconscious bias towards other people, assumptions about cultures. We have this in ourselves. And so, when I think about this, I can't help but go back to the lack of discipleship. Because if we understood this, then we understand that we all need grace. Mm-hmm. And if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us, 1 John 1, 9. So we'd have the freedom to, oh, I'm going to confess this. I'm going to repent of this. I'm going to turn and change. I'm going to face myself in the mirror, not to stay the same, but so that I can grow and move towards my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I think that there's a few things going on. There's a lack of discipleship on this topic but in general. But on this topic, we really have failed. The church has failed because we don't want to acknowledge that there's a problem Mm -hmm. and that there's a problem. And sometimes the biggest problem is that it starts with me, Mm. you, you know, us inside us. And so because of that, we don't acknowledge sin and we don't repent of it. And then there's the problem. uh, So it's scary. Then there's the problem of apathy. Mm. We just don't care. And so what doesn't seem to affect me, we think it doesn't affect me. So it's okay. right? But here's the reality. If it affects one person, it affects all of us. Mm -hmm. And so we need to carry the burdens of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to learn to empathize Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and mourn with those who mourn. And so I think that What was shocking to me when I became a Christian is more than anything, there was, of course, the ignorance that we're growing and we've got to learn. And that's all of us. Mm -hmm. But it was the, I don't care, Mm. the apathy that really stung. I would rather someone be blatantly racist and say something so that I can encourage or correct and Mm. then just ride off my pain.
1: Yeah. Yeah
0: and i like i could cry now thinking about it because i've experienced that a lot more than i would even want to say that to me is the most painful when someone writes it off like you're making it up or well what about this or it's a very it's that's hard because you can't painful. convince someone to really love you mm-hmm. especially if they're approaching you as an issue and not mm-hmm. a person mm-hmm. and so we're people and that, again, Imago Day, the image of God, understanding that we are made in the image of God and that we matter to God, that you've got, it's teaching discipleship helps with apathy. It helps mm-hmm. you to learn to love people and to care. So there's a lot there, but yeah. Those you are know,
1: things. it's interesting that you brought that up with the two different like Out front in your face, which you have experienced in the CNN article that I just mentioned with the stats with from the Pew Research Center study, they quote you in here and you talk about you got off stage and you were talking about Imago Dei, you were talking about the fact that all humans, all races are made in the image and likeness of God. And a man very boldly came up to you afterwards and tell us what happened.
0: Well, he basically told me that I was wrong. And he mentioned this heresy that they're the curse of ham, is what Mm -hmm. it's called. And you can look it up later, listeners. But don't spend too much time on it. Don't spend too much time. Yes. (laughs) It's a waste of your time. Yeah. He basically was saying that I was subhuman, that I was like a different category of Mm. people. And it was a shocking thing. And so, but yet not. It was I say it's shocking, but the truth is is that I've actually had that kind of language spoken to me before. And so I was able to open up the scriptures and remind them again and tell them, hey, that's false. What you've been taught in your pulpit mm. is wrong. So that's the problem. We're fighting against, you know, people who've had years of false teaching from mm-hmm. the pulpit, right? That we are not. The same. Mm. And so, what the Lord did with that, I don't know. Mm. But I do know this I have had many times where people have repented or contacted me later Mm. to share that the Lord opened their eyes. So, I don't think any of it is wasted time Mm. or energy. I hope that the Lord used that. And I'm grateful for those times where I can. Correct false Mm. teaching or straight up stuff from the devil. So, yeah, (laughs) totally. Totally. Yeah. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it
1: in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then
0: this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime you don't have to hide
2: how you feel walmart plus members save on meeting up with friends Life doesn't have a pause button. That's why Capella
0: University's FlexPath Learning Format lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them if something comes up. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference for you at capella.edu.
1: You said in there, you said that too many times the name I've gone after speaking of it and wept in my hotel room, just realizing how deeply deceived people are. And when you talked earlier about like this unity that we have as followers of Jesus and this empathy that we should have for one another, that we should mourn when other people mourn, we should hurt when people hurt. I mean, when I hear you say that as a follower of Jesus, I want that to move me. Like I want to be, I want to hurt with Trillia because that's not okay. And I think this is where that discipleship part comes in that you keep bringing up. And, you know, I've heard pastors after pastors in the last couple of years say, you know, we get our people for an hour and a half, two hours, maybe. And then they're discipled by whatever cable news that they're watching. And so it's almost this battle that it's not even playing field anymore. And when we grew up, it wasn't, they didn't have 24 seven cable news with talking heads on both sides. And so there is this lack of discipleship, but I want to ask you this, when you say that, what does that look like for the church? Like, what does it look like to disciple people into actually believing in this unity and actually caring for one another with the deep pain when one of us are hurting. What does that look like? How do we even transform this?
0: Yeah. So you're talking about putting that faith that we proclaim into action. Mm-hmm. And so I think so often that we complicate this. So mm-hmm. so what I'm going to say just sounds so simple. And people may be like, really? Is it that simple? But maybe that's what we need. Maybe we just need the most simple thing. Yeah. Go outside your door. Yeah. And talk to your neighbor. Mm-hmm. How about that? I remember during the height of misinformation, I mean, we have so much misinformation now, but I think now people know, okay, there's misinformation. But right. I went outside and I lived in a different part of my town. And I talked to my neighbor who had bought into a some conspiracy theory. And I remember just talking to this person and I remember looking at him and saying, get off of Facebook. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't look at anything else. And what I realized is this person was just fearful and concerned. And so we had that relationship
1: Mm.
0: where I could say, actually what you're reading, it's not true Mm. here. Read this instead, or listen to this person instead. And so I don't want to oversell relationship. Mm-hmm. or oversell a table. I think there—that that is a beginning though. Mm-hmm. So part of discipleship is actually knowing people. As Hebrew says, don't neglect meeting together. Mm-hmm. So there's something there about relationship, getting together, meeting together consistently that helps so that you can mm-hmm. correct and encourage and build up and Mourn with those who mourn. It's hard to do it when you're not engaged with one Mm -hmm. another. Now, your podcast is international and millions of people listen. So I imagine that there's someone who's not in a diverse neighborhood who's Mm -hmm. listening. So I would say if you are someone who, first of all, the fact that you would even have a heart and a desire Mm -hmm. to engage is a sign that the Lord is doing something in your heart, that is beautiful. That is, I really believe it starts with heart transformation. And so if there is a desire there, well, praise God, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: read books, read about our history, engage with what is going on intellectually, and God will transform your heart. Understand what the word of God says. If I say the veil of hostility has been broken down in the body of Jesus Christ, and you don't know what that means, go and search that up. Because that is what we're talking about. And it is true. So learn what the scriptures say about this topic, along with what others are saying. And I think when it comes time for you to engage, you'll engage with humility Mm -hmm. and an eagerness to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And a desire to love, Mm. especially, I believe, ultimately grounded in God's word. Mm. And so that's what gives the Christian our marching orders. And so that's where I would start. But also with relationship with others when and however possible. That helps with discipleship. Yeah. 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 And learning together. We don't want to learn in isolation. We don't want it's like the gospel. You don't want the good news. And then you're just going to keep it to yourself. You share it. You spread it. You tell people. Same thing with as you're learning invite people, get groups together, whatever you can do, because that is what discipleship, it's teaching. So you teach people to obey all that God has commanded. So take
1: it and spread it. I love that. That very beautifully said about discipleship and doing it in community. And I think, you know, as you were talking, I just keep thinking so much of the rhetoric that's used against this unity that we know is from Jesus. It's based in fear, you know, it's all fear based. And so if we can keep people scared, afraid of the immigrants or afraid of the refugees or afraid of the marches that might happen after a police murder. If we can keep people afraid of these things, then all of a sudden that becomes the bad thing. And then I think like, man, Jesus is just not into making his people fearful. He's just not, you know? And so really as followers of Jesus, we should be the first one engaging who everyone's telling us to be afraid of because there's no fear. Absolutely. Also, Gosh, we've got to
0: start with Genesis 1. What are we afraid of? Mm-hmm. People, people made in the image right. of God. There's something there that others people, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah. Makes, if we're afraid of a refugee, an immigrant, just because they're a refugee, we're othering them.
1: Mm.
0: We're making them like they're not made in the image of God. They're not people. And so we can also help reminding ourselves that they're they're just like us. Mm-hmm. They're people. Yeah. So there's no reason to fear. Mm-hmm. And we can ask God to help take that fear and make it turn it into curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. That we would learn and mm-hmm. that we would grow. And because I think a lot of what we are afraid of also is the unknown. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know the people's experiences. It's even to make this a little bit more even I guess, as common, like when someone who is experiencing a death, Mm. one of the things that I realize I've experienced death in my life is that I often have to comfort the person who's trying to comfort me because they don't know how to comfort me.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's the end. They don't know.
0: They don't know. They're afraid of that unknown. Like, what do I do? What do I say? How do I do this? And so we all in our humanness have that fear of the unknown. And so if we can be a little more curious and ask questions and learn, I think we'll engage people better and more informed and as humans rather than being afraid of them.
1: That's really good. And you know, I've had a woman stop me the other day and she is raising four children that she adopted her and her husband. Uh, They're both white and her kids are black. And she was just asking me a bunch of questions. And my number one advice to her was to take in more input from black people, find black authors, find black preachers that you listen to find just all kinds of things that you can take in, listen to happy hour and find people have conversations. And it just helps you get out of your little bubble that you've lived in. If you don't have a lot of, like you were mentioning someone who's like, I don't, I live in a very white suburban neighborhood. This is 2022. There are many ways there are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that you can have your brain educated. Uh, there are a lot of ways on this thing we call the internet. So, you know, I'm very grateful for this conversation with you, Trillian. And, and one thing I love about the listeners of the happy hour is they are so engaged and willing to go to these places. And it just makes me, I'm like this proud mom of all of our listeners, you know, as we're having these conversations, but you know, you talk about like, we got to go back to Genesis with everyone being made in the image of God. And this new book that you had come out this year for kids, a big wide welcome. It comes from James, but it's that same kind of concept of, you know, everyone is welcome with Jesus. and I'm personally such a fan of, of children's books these days, especially after writing one. it was so fun. Yes. but what I keep thinking about it was actually a conversation that I think I had with Brittany about how little diversity there are in children's books quite often and that there are actually studies that say that if as a child's growing up and they're not exposed to differences that it creates biases in them. And so talk to me about your book, why you wanted to write this book for kids and why it's important. Well,
0: i love your heart. I just want to say that. Okay. <laughs> I just am so grateful for you, Jamie. But for kids, I wrote a book prior to this. It's called God's Very Good Idea. And that one is a lot about kind of the image of God and how we reflect. And what I realized is that is a great start. It's the gospel and it helps kids understand that they are created by God But then what do we do when they engage with other people? And so the big wide welcome helps explain James Mm -hmm. 2 and how we are to welcome people. We're not to have favorites. Now, we, of course, can have best friends, (laughs) but not to the exclusion of other people. Mm -hmm. And we don't segregate based on the color of our skin or our ability or our culture. And so I am helping kids understand what... James was talking to a church about socioeconomic differences and how that church discriminated against a poor person mm-hmm. and put a rich person up front. And so I'm helping kids understand that God doesn't do that, mm-hmm. that God is not partial based on these outward things and that we. Should love all people because God does. we mm-hmm. should love like Jesus loves. yeah, and so that is the lesson. And I thought I think it's important because I just really believe that, At a young age, start to see differences and trying to understand the concept of loving all people, including all people, sharing and engaging and enjoying all people, Mm -hmm. starting at a really young age is important. And so that's really why I wrote it. I just, I love, like you said, writing for kids, there's something about it. And what I've also learned is that parents are growing and parents, it's helping equip parents to put language to these Bible stories or biblical concepts. So, so I'm really grateful for The Good Book Company taking a chance again on this book. And so,
1: (laughs) well, I am so grateful for it as well. It is a great gift for kids. And then the other one, it has the light bulb on it. Is that what I'm thinking? Yeah,
2: I love that one as well. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends.
1: Trulia, I'd love to
2: ask you what are you loving these days and what are you reading. Well,
1: okay, so I'm in publishing, so <laughs> you're reading a lot. <laughs> I don't even know where to
0: start. Like, right. what am I not reading? Is it are a you reading
1: question? anything for like just for fun, or do you find yourself reading just for work? Okay, so it's interesting. I
0: read mostly for work or because I'm writing something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm always
0: writing. And so I love to research. And so I just started, I'm not even going to go into what I'm reading for writing. I would love to hear if you, what are you working on? I always love everything you do. You're so kind. (laughs) Soon I worked on, it was a very hard project, a 52 week read through the whole scripture. So I was reading stuff about biblical theology and reading theology books and commentaries and to help understand I guess the storyline of scripture and I'm trying to help people read through the all of the the whole bible mm. because we've been talking a lot we talk a lot about biblical literacy yeah but what i realized is that People just have a hard time really reading the whole Bible. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm helping people do. And that comes out in November of this year. <laughs> okay. But we can look forward to it. Yes. It comes out in November. Yes. But what I like to listen to, to books, and I'm trying to remember, I was like, what was the last thing I was listening to? So for fun, I listen to books. What are you loving these days? You know, this is kind of dumb. No, nothing's dumb. I, okay. You're so kind. I am really enjoying this. TV show called Fringe. I know- <laughs> I don't know about this. Tell me. It's so weird. Okay. It's the weirdest TV show. It's kind of like sci-fi meets future meets bizarre. I don't know. Okay. But okay, Because I'm always studying and I'm always reading, I try to find something that's completely outside yes. of what I normally do. Uh-huh. And it's my like I'm climbing in bed (laughs) and going to about to go to sleep. Brainless activity, and so fringe. But I don't really know what it's. It's like a sci-fi. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) You're not trying to like enhance your brain by any means. You're just zoning out. Yeah, so that
0: is my zone out show, and I love those opportunities to kind of decompress and do something completely brainless like fringe.
1: Let me tell you what I just started like a completely brainless zone out show that I just started. I'm behind. Everyone's already seen it. Cheer. Have you seen it?
0: Oh, at first I'm so, this ages me. I thought you
1: were talking about cheers. <laughs> that one. Everyone knows your name. No, not that, but the show cheer from cheer. the first. Yes. Have you seen it? <laughs> No. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like maybe you and I are the last two people to see we it. Are. I felt like it went through a thing and everyone was talking about it. And I'm usually the last to jump on any kind of bandwagon. I'm like, I'm yeah. just going to wait, but I just started it and I can't stop. I love it so much. It's a documentary <laughs> a reality. Okay. It's a documentary. Well, I thought so. Okay. Yeah. It's well, I don't know if it's called a documentary. It's a docu series, maybe that's yeah. maybe what they're called, but it's a real tea, a real cheer squad here in like small town, Corsicana, Texas. Javara junior college. Anyhow, I'm in and I can't stop.
0: Okay. So the only reason I know of cheer, I cheered. I, I
1: remember that about you. Yes, okay. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, I don't know if I can handle it. <laughs> you, it might take you back and you might start like twitching or something from remembering your cheer days uh, because cheerleading competitive is no joke. No joke. Yep. It
0: is no joke. And no joke. I, we were all involved in it. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, Trillia, it is always a joy to see you and chat with you and, um, hopefully it will not be seven years until you're back on the happy hour, but, um, so grateful to have you. Thank you for our conversation today. And thank you for the book, the big wide welcome, uh, that you can pick up anywhere for your kids. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Happy Hour Jamie Ivey podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to bring to you, and every opportunity we get to point us all to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is actually the number one way that people find out about our show because you tell them, Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that make us think, make us laugh, and point us to Jesus. Also, come find me on other places around the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy, And we've been having some fun posting videos on YouTube as well. Sometimes, do you wish you could see the person I'm interviewing? Well, come over and find us there and you can. JamieIvey.com slash YouTube. The happy hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics by Rachel Ray. The show is edited by the team at Podshaper. And I'm your host, Jamie. And I love every single week that I get to be here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend.